Some of those who work forces are, in fact, the same who burn crosses. John? Yes? It is another episode of Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast, where we are in studio with the director, author, and mentor of a movie <laughs> called House of Ten Hundred Corpses. Here with us today, Zach De La Rocha. Zach? Fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is in fact House of One Thousand Corpses, directed by none other than the robbest of zombies. Dr. Roberto Zambellini. And he is not in fact in studio with us today, for we are not in studios. And he's much more intelligent than to be on our show. That's true. That's true. I, I did dig a little into, like, Rob Zombie. You mentioned before that he's a sweet guy. And I was like, what the fuck is John talking about? And yes, in fact, he is a sweet guy. He, he's a cool dude. He's, uh, yeah. you know, not the best filmmaker. Does stuff that uh, obviously appeals to horror fans, but doesn't always execute it to the fullest. Uh, yeah, but has an incredibly uh, active imagination and a very, very strong visual sense and style. And I'll say a knack for casting. He really knows who to cast in his movies other than Sherry Moon Fry. <laughs> other than Soleil Moon Wife. Yeah. <laughs> ex ex Excessive Moon. Yeah. Who looks so... <laughs> Strikingly like Jamie Lee Curtis whenever she puts on glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's uh she's remarkably terrible. Yeah. <laughs> just just kind of there. Pretty lady, she's you know, she's game, she's certainly uh fearless on screen, but uh wow, that mm -hmm. voice is enough to that's the scariest thing in any of his movies, is her voice. Oh baby, is it ever. Woo <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right so yeah we figured you know we'd finally come around and done some uh some stephen king so after doing uh ty west x we figured we'd go with uh some more not quite how uh texas chainsaw massacre business and finally do a uh, zob romby yeah, yeah. zobroni and cheese yeah oh yeah zamboni <laughs> Exactly. As much as we've slagged the guy, we might as well cover one of his movies. Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. He spent a summer as a carny with his whole family. I did not know that. And a riot broke out over a pay disagreement and a, a nice gentleman who had been nice to his family, who had, was warning his family to get out, was hit in the head with a hammer. Wow. Witnessed by little baby Rob this happening and then he went on to become an ethical vegan after seeing slaughterhouse footage and has a ranch where he has rescued livestock nice yeah so yeah. definitely none of that coming through into this movie no they're uh probably i would think it's safe to guess nary of an ethical vegan in this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so House of a Thousand Corpses is his idea of what if all of my extensive music video directing 
mm-hmm. was put together with what I liked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Manson family. Mm-hmm. And all 70s exploitation films. Uh, yeah. Uh, gore, uh, Grindhouse, uh, Midnight Movies, cult classics. It's all in there. Yeah, and a, just a little bit of Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> and a lot of Brian De Palma. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that, get them split screens going. I mean, it's, 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 it's the kind of movie that you feel like you've seen before, because essentially you have. It's just a grab bag of elements uh, from movies that you've seen before. And uh, he's capturing uh, an aesthetic that is, you know common to anybody who's been watching horror movies for longer than the 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if horror to you is Scream and Midsummer, then yeah, this movie might be a little alien to you. But uh, <laughs> yeah. back in the 60s and the 70s, uh, growing up in the United States, uh, movies with a lot of the elements of this film to it toned down somewhat uh, were very common. Yeah, this movie came out one year before um, Plates. Who is Plates? Oh, <laughs> um, Skinned Deep? Skinned Deep. This movie came out one year before Skinned Deep, and you you can see, like, that was, like, maybe Fangoria being like, hey, you know what would be cool is if we did this, but just, like, amped it all the way up to ridiculous. Yeah, this was 03, I think, and then Skinned Deep 04. Yeah, Something like yeah. That. this yeah. movie was actually, uh, I think they, like, wrapped filming on it in 2000, but because of, like, all kinds of complications, it wasn't released until 20- 2003. That's right, because the original studio was like, fuck no, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. And yeah. then <laughs> and then uh, he ended up uh, shopping it over to, uh, oh, I forget the other studio. I think it's Lionsgate or something. Lionsgate, yeah, that's right, yeah. Lionsgate. But it's it's very entertaining. I would highly recommend watching it. It's um, very, I guess, more artistic than it is a movie. Like, it, it's it's way more style over substance. But yeah. a lot of style. A lot of style, very, very heavily influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. Particularly later on, and pretty much 100% by the end of the film. It's just a, yes. it's just pure ch- Chainsaw 2. Yeah. <laughs> Minus and, Dennis uh, Hopper. <laughs> yeah, no, no Dennis Hopper. That would have been a good get. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or Toby Hooper. Oh, man. <laughs> they were both still alive at that point, weren't they? I have no idea. I can never tell them apart. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Do we need to go over anything else before I spoil the whole thing summary style? Can't think of it. Uh, well, maybe just some of the folks. Sid Haig, of course. The oh, amazing Sid Haig. Sid Haig, who we talked about uh, quite a bit from Spider Baby. Uh, and he's done everything in between since. Or, you know, like in between those two movies, he's done damn near everything. Uh, yeah. His wife, of course, we mentioned. Walter Goggins plays a cop. Um uh, I forget the chief's name, Chief Wydell, but I forget the actor's name. Is a famous character actor who just passed away. Oh, um, wow. The old man that plays uh, Hugo, Grandpa Hugo, or whatever as they call him, uh, he passed away right after the making of the film. And uh, so they you'll see a tribute to him at the end. But, uh, you know, it's it's got that 70s feel, and it's got a lot of 70s-adjacent faces and some very specific 70s faces like Sid Haig and you know yeah um like you know so it's it's an interesting mix and then bizarrely Chris Hardwick and Rain Wilson (laughs) before Rain Wilson was in the office this was I think his first film or one of them 
It was it, the reason that I remembered Rain Wilson being in this movie because I the first time I watched The Office, I was like, oh, that guy from House of a Thousand Corpses. That's cool. It's so weird. I always forget he's in this and then I see it again and then I'm like, oh my God, it's fucking Chris Hardwick. I hate that guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is pretty funny in this because he's such an ass, like over the oh. top. He is the worst. I, I was like, why Why are other people dying before him? <laughs> it's, and it's not like they saved the best death for him, although his was fine. But His was fine. Yeah, that was a good one. I think Rain Wilson wins the death competition. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if he, like, I guess that was just him in makeup, though, so there's probably not, like, a model that he could take <laughs> home. <laughs> oh, my God. Put it over his mantelpiece? Yeah. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> or over his mantle. Yeah, that would be fantastic. It would have to be huge because he's like the only possible person that doesn't make Sid Haig look horrifically tall. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. yeah no, I, right. can't, that, I think that's it, yeah. Alright, let's get into it. We've got Sid Haig's Captain Spalding, who is always uh, made up like a clown but otherwise dressed up like an asshole uh he he runs captain spaulding's fried chicken and gasoline which is also a museum of the macabre with all sorts of curiosities including the uh the mermaid style put together of things and an animatronic serial killer ride which is great it has it has a whole section for albert fish a whole section for um there's there's like a little flash of Lizzie Borden and then and then it's it's all Ed Gein from there. That's right, Ed Gein, yeah, and he's the, the little chopping on the foot thing. <laughs> oh, it's good. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> <laughs> but then the ride culminates into the fictitious one, which is Dr. Satan, who mm-hmm. is the local legend. Local killed people, ran a mental institution where he tortured and killed people, and then the locals uh, apparently strung him up by a, in a tree, left him to die, but then his body was never found. Mm-hmm. Enter Rain, Dwight Troop from The Office Wilson, and Chris, the guy that comes on after The Walking Dead Hardwick, <laughs> who are on a cross-country tour of roadside attractions and just so happen to be out of gasoline. <laughs> yep. um, they come across Captain Spaulding's fried chicken and gasoline establishment, wake up their girlfriends who mostly don't get their own characteristics other than being girlfriends or having a dad um, yeah yeah pretty shallow characters <laughs> yeah, yeah not great but it's fine uh their girlfriends are aaron daniels and i don't remember the other one's name that's fine she's the less famous of the two exactly um <laughs> um so they're driving cross cross country i guess they're gonna write a travel book about attractions um they, they take the ride. Aaron Daniels calls her dad, saying that she's at a place called Captain Spaulding's, and it, I guess, kind of matters, but whatever. Anyway, Captain Spaulding gives them a map to the Dr. Satan tree, and uh, they go to find it. Along the way, they pick up Sherry Moon Zombie, who is hitchhiking back to her house, who isn't far from here, and it just so happens that she knows all about the tree because it's on their property. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's pissing down rain, and she's dry and, when she gets in the car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, she 
quickly establishes herself to be a lunatic, and that's fine. Um, they We see a shotgun shoot out their tire. I love with these movies that they've always got the tire going out somehow. Um, and so Rain Wilson and Sherry go to hoof it to her house. They're going to get her brother who's going to get a tow truck and bring them in. It's great. Uh, after a bunch of nonsense that doesn't matter, it's all of a sudden dinner time. Karen Black is in this movie as Mama Flyer, Firefly, and uh, she is just all over Chris Hardwick while Sherry is all over Rain Wilson. The girlfriends are not happy with this arrangement. No. But, but they all sit down to uh, dinner, a very highly candlelit dinner. Yes. Um, <laughs> Dennis Fimple is here as uh, as uh, Grandpa, and then we've also got Matthew McGrory as Tiny. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and then also Bill Mosley is in this movie as, as the brother. He also carries around a fetus in a jar at times. Otis, uh, Otis, we, what is it? Otis something Driftwood. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They're all uh, they're obvious fake names. Well, they're they're all Groucho Marx character names from from his the various different movies. Yeah, yeah, over his career, which which Rob Zombie felt that not enough people understood, so he spelled it out in the Devil's Rejects. Rufus T. Firefly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um. We see all of them. They're sitting down. Oh, we see. Uh, we see. Bill Mosley has uh, some kidnapped cheerleaders that he is torturing with his words, just saying uh, very Manson family style nonsense. Um, and those cheerleaders have been alluded to up to this point. It doesn't matter, other than just to have some killable ladies in the background, basically. Yep. Um, we see that while this whole family dinner is happening, that, like, one by one, different cheerleaders have been killed. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie has, uh, two cheerleaders in her bed while she's putting on her makeup. One of them is alive, the other one is dead, and they're, like, tied together. Uh, it's that kind of movie. After dinner, we are treated to Dennis Fimple's yelling-based stand-up comedy routine about incestual cunnilingus. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> It's lots of very loud yelling and then just lots of pussy and, and making mouth motions. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. The Licky V thing and the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't wake up grandma! <laughs> oh, wonderful. This is followed by Sherry Moon Zombie doing a lip sync dance to the entire Betty Boop song while the guys think it's really hot and the girls are pissed off about that yeah that was uh that was uncomfortable boop. it was it was not good boop boop be do <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck is this rob you are a lunatic <laughs> she did look pretty awesome with the little tiny mouth painted over her her mouth yeah yeah and then the uh the her dress was very fish scale yeah. themed i was like oh foreshadowing good <laughs> Uh, finally, the youths get spooked by the shenanigans and make a run for it to their car, but they are quickly captured one by one by different members of the Firefly family. And uh, Rain Wilson is the first to get tortured to death, where he eventually gets turned into a merman curiosity, like mounted and everything. Just man upper half, fish bottom half, 
laying to the side like a siren on a rock. It's delightful. Fish boy. Yeah, fish boy. It's, I love it's it. It's fantastic. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? This movie makes no sense, but I love it. <laughs> it's bonkers. <laughs> we are then treated to a psycho style uh, Aaron Daniels' dad change of pace, where now we're following him as he's trying to get his children recovered. But not really, because it's mostly not about that. Yeah. But Aaron Daniels' dad is played by Harrison Young, great character mm-hmm. actor. Perfect for the role of a dad of someone who is abducted by murderers. <laughs> uh, he's worried that his, uh, his, her, his daughter and her friends never showed up to Halloween where they were supposed to. So he gets the local authorities, which is Tom Towles, William Bassett, and Walton Goggins, nice. as you mentioned. Nice. And then we, we're treated to Aaron Daniels' nightmare about a couple whose marriage was torn apart by the skunk ape. Yes, who was cut from the film, apparently. Yeah, yeah, apparently there was a whole skunk ape segment to this that just didn't make the final cut. But what did survive was a trippy, out-of-color segment in her dream where a husband complains about his wife having sex with the skunk ape, and she complains about her husband not preventing her from having sex with the skunk ape. (laughs) So stupid. <laughs> okay. Sure, skunk ape, why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh and then in her dream she finds Dr. Satan's grave and sees him pop out of it, which is a little bit foreshadowy, but not really, and okay, yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um meanwhile, the lawmen are finding clues that are leading them to the Firefly's house. They bring up Harrison Young on board to visit the house with them, which seems like a very strange choice, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, they find the shed full of dead and soon-to-be-dead girls and then get murdered dramatically <laughs> while while happy old-timey music is playing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <sighs> then the Firefly family buys a bunch of alcohol from one G. Ober at Red Hot P- Pussy Liquors. After a weird call-and-response game of Who's Your Daddy?, Bill Mosley mocks Erin Daniels by trying to kiss her while wearing her dad's face and chest skin. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you just hate it? <laughs> it's like a Tom Papa joke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hate it when Bill Mosley tries to kiss you wearing your father's face and chest skin? D- I do. Dog wheel hunt. <laughs> Fun story. Rob Zombie directed a Tom Papa stand-up comedy show. Oh my god. Yeah. Did he zombify it with like 800 s- super cuts? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched it, but I am going to. <laughs> Split screens, uh, reversal, <laughs> color reversals, shots that are enlarged to the, like when you... Enlarge something on your cell phone camera till it's all grainy looking. Yeah. <laughs> all of those little yeah. tricks. Yeah, Tom Papa says fuck a lot. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, wrecked him, damn near killed him. <laughs> oh dear God. 
Uh, let's see. The surviving youths are then dressed up like rabbits, and uh, after one of them makes a run for it, and Bill Mosley gets to say, Run, rabbit, run! Way too many times. That one is killed. She's the boring girlfriend one, and so now we have Chris Hardwick and Aaron Daniels in bunny costumes, lowered into a grave, which is then cranked down into a pit. They are then all of a sudden underground in some mud where mud people take Chris Hardwick away, and he is now dead, or not dead, I guess just taken away. Help Screamy. And then Aaron Daniels is accosted by old creepy underground people wearing bunny costumes who just want to take her bunny costume off of her. Yeah. That happens, and then she makes her way to Dr. Satan's surgical theater and is attacked by the father of the Firefly family, who is now a giant Frankenstein's army-style axe guy. Yeah, with goop leaking out of his mouth hole. Oh yeah, he's got some some real good custard action going on there. It's like, what is happening right now? When did, <laughs> when did this turn into a terrible cyberpunk movie? Oh, and uh, Aaron Daniels was also unhappy because there weren't, like, safety measures in place for him swinging the axe at her. Oh, that's right. And he... He almost hit her with that axe, and uh, Rob Zombie's thing was, oh, I thought she would get out of the way in time. So that's, I thought that was how that was supposed to work. That's how those things work, right? If someone shoots <laughs> yeah. you, it's your fault if you didn't get out of the way in time. <laughs> uh, so she escapes. She climbs up through hay into the mid-afternoon light of the next day. Um, and it gets to a road where she hitchhikes, uh, gets picked up by none other than one Captain Spaulding, who we know is a killer, but that we don't really know is a bad guy or in any way connected with the Firefly family. Uh, but then we see that, yes, in fact, Bill Mosley is in the back seat, and it looks like he stabs her in the neck with a knife, but then instead of being dead, she wakes up in Dr. Satan's surgical theater where he is turning her into some nonsense. Yeah. Movie over. Movie over. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, oh, oh, what the fuck is going on? I, it's just an, I think it's just a grab bag montage, very Rob Zombie-esque style of throwing everything in and seeing what sticks. Uh, I mean, it's, you know... We forgot to mention that last on the last house on the left, uh, you yeah. know, influence. But um, it's I don't know. It's just a silly movie. Uh, it is entertaining. It's a little exhausting by the end, but it's not that long. Although it feels pretty long, um, it feels much longer than it is. And there are parts of it that are really compelling and good, but there are other parts where I'm like, oh, I don't know about another one. Sid Haig, as one might guess, if you're familiar with him, is fucking great. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just, like, you never know how, he's actually scary. You don't know, you know, he can, he can switch from extremely threatening to, you know, like, as soon as he pre stops pretending to be threatening or whatever, and he acts like he's nice, he's totally believable as nice. Like, like, you could feel the tension leave when he's like, I'm just fucking with you. And you're like... <laughs> He is just, he's just fucking with me. And then, you know, yeah. it's like, how does he pull that off? He's so good at that. He's so good. He could just switch from from ter terrifying 
to charming in an instant and it was it was done so well like i was like oh i would love to hang out with that guy oh i would never want to <laughs> hang out with that guy oh let's go get pizza oh god no <laughs> let's get fried chicken how come you asking so many jackassy questions <laughs> if i wanted to listen to an asshole i'd fart <laughs> that was his t-shirt oh Oh yeah, there's lots of good sight gags on here. I like that some of the sight gags he he just kind of let them pass by. Mm -hmm. Like, but then others he was like, no, 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 this one's too good. We have to focus in on it. So you see a scene where the cereal is Agatha Krispies, and you can just barely see it. But then you could tell Rob Zombie was like, no, 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 I don't think people are gonna get that joke. Let's zoom the camera in on the box of Agatha Krispies and focus on that for a good second. Okay, uh, now they'll get the joke. And then Tiny's shirt, what did it say? A cheap-ass Halloween costume? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, uh, yeah, all of Captain Spaulding's shirts are like hot dogs and pig stuff. and <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Fantastic. Yeah, and so uh, and there's also lots of references to the Manson family mm -hmm. here at the beginning. Chris Hardwick, for some reason, is just looking through photos of the women from the Manson family and talking about how hot they are. Spank banking the, the Manson girls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very strange. So, yeah, we've got, like, full influence of all of the actual murderers in here. And, and then, of course, the horror movies that inspired him. And also his childhood trauma of being a carny and seeing people get hit in the head with stuff. Oh my god. It, the, the movie opens, like, the the very opening is one of those, like, midnight movie, like, Sunday midnight or Saturday night midnight movie, uh, uh, black and white, you know, Captain This or Doctor That or whatever the fuck the guy's name was, and it's his, his you know, scary movie night or something. Dr. Wolfenstein. Yep. He says Dr. Wolfenstein, and then the announcer says Dr. Wolfenstein, so I guess you take your pick on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that really doesn't play into this movie at all, other than the fact that it's at the beginning of it, and then later it shows up in like the background once or twice. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just kind of a nod to you know stuff he grew up seeing. You yeah, because we all saw that kind of shit, you know, us old folk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the from the pre Elvira times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff was yeah. When you would watch a horror movie, and then you know, in between commercial segments, you'd have some clown dressed up as like a ghoul who was always a wise ass and would say well i guess he got what he had coming <laughs> uh, joe bob briggs yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah there and there's a lot of so there's that stuff in here there's also a lot of stuff that feels like straight out of music video land yeah. like a lot of the cutaways yeah. are things that feel like they would be an interlude in a music video there's like the old old man with a shotgun and all of the signs that in front of his house and he's like this is hell like that is exactly the kind of thing that would be in the middle of a music video that's true yeah he had he had like that folk art crap behind him with all the things painted like phrases painted on wood and it was just yeah. completely useless but okay yeah it's fine whatever the movie was full uh, of that kind of stuff i guess that's a good point it's like a uh 80 minute music video which as you can imagine gets pretty tedious this is house. Come on in. <laughs> i mean pick pick you know i don't know maybe only 500 of your favorite references and put those you don't need you know 15,000 references in an 80 minute movie it's just there's scenes where you know you're looking at 
Captain Spaulding and the walls in the background have hundreds of items back there, you know, like, like, like carnival geeks and, you know, goofy collectibles and macabre stuff and a portrait of the Moors murderers and, you know, just all, it's just, it's too much, you know, it just gets exhausting after a while. It's because that was, that's all like his private collection of nonsense. I figured as much because I, I was like, putting a Moore's Murders painting in there is, is probably not only losers like me that, you know, <laughs> recognize every single serial killer by face alone. But uh, yeah, the average person isn't going to know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea who that is. There are two killers uh, from the uh, two English killers that killed a bunch of young children. They would take that lure them out to the the moors, like the swampy area uh, in like central England, and lure them out there and and you know do horrible sexual things to them, and then murder them and bury them out there. Jesus, they, they did it several times before they were caught. But it's a uh, it's yeah, it's this guy Ian Brady uh, and the other lady I forget her name, Myra Hindley, and he was. Yeah, they were horrible, but he was, you know, typical of serial killer couples. He was, she probably never would have done these things on her own. He probably would have done them anyway. But the two of them together was just a terrible combination. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, very, you know, if there's a lot of true crime people out there, so there probably are a lot of people who would have recognized it, but it didn't have any, it could have been anybody, you know, it could have been like, I mean, there's, it's not like, whatever. Carry on. <laughs> Well, I mean, the idea is that Dr. Satan creates serial killers. Yeah, or that he's just, that's that's just something that he likes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Dr. Satan. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Dr. Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Satan! <laughs> I was thinking of, of Captain Spaulding. But yeah, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's what he's doing in his fucking lab. I don't know what, it, that whole part was like, okay, what is happening right now? Why are we... Yeah. I mean, it's it's a grab bag, so whatever. But at the same time, what we were in this house with these crazy people, <laughs> then we're then we're lowered into the slime pit with zombie-like creatures, and then all of a sudden, you know, like Doctor Satan looks like Pumpkinhead with like mechanical gear on him or something. Like, yeah, just... he's got an exoskeleton, Pumpkinhead plus exoskeleton. It's great. <laughs> It's so strange. Yeah. And then, the, then the Frankenstein creature comes out. It was like, okay, what is happening right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 delightful. It's just total nonsense. Uh, yeah, it really, really is. <laughs> w- one of the props that I, I read about actually being uh, Rob Zombies is in the phone booth uh, that she goes to call her dad from, there's a poster that says Missing Dog Head. Yes. And and that was part of Rob Zombie's personal collection that he like found that poster somewhere and he was like, "Oh, well, I'm definitely keeping this. <laughs> this is a keeper. It's going to go in my first <laughs> movie." I, I mean, I have to admit that's pretty awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I would keep that too. I would be like, "Oh, no one's going to be returning your dog head, ma'am." <laughs> missing dog head. <laughs> I'd like to report seen... a missing dog head. <laughs> have you seen me? It's like a disembodied dog head <laughs> oh, uh, let's see what else what else do we need to talk about with this movie ah uh, well it spawned uh two more two more movies um that's true uh devil's rejects and then right at the very end of his life in his final role uh, uh sid Haig was back just very briefly 
for uh, Three from Hell. And then they bring in that other dude that's in 31 and and some other of his movies, uh, whose name I can never remember. It's like Richard something, but he's a, he's a great character actor, too. Um, but I, I didn't even watch that movie. That's how uninterested I am in it. <laughs> yeah, I think I need to. I think I need to go through and watch the, the full Rob Zombie directed works because... It seems like interested stuff. Interesting stuff is happening. I just don't don't get a. I don't know. I don't get a good feeling from a lot of it. I'm not. I mean, I guess I've seen. Well, I've seen everything except the monsters and thirty one all the way through. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I guess I've seen everything. Well, you haven't seen the Tom Papa stand up. <laughs> it's true. I have not seen the Tom Papa stand up. <laughs> Burning the witches and digging the ditches. Oh man! Okay, so there is a a monsters uh, scene in this movie. Oh yeah, um, that's right. Where where it's Dennis Fimple and Bill Mosley, and they're watching the monsters, and Dennis Fimple's like, "I could drive that car faster." It's the hot rod episode. Yeah, it's like, "Don't you start with me." But yeah, so that's what Dracula is—is is that fucking car from the monsters? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, no idea that I've like I've known the song Dracula for like something along the lines of twenty years, and yeah. for most of them, I didn't know what that lyric was that he was talking about, and then I didn't know why it was, and and just because of re like researching for this movie, I found out what Dracula is. He taps into a little bit of the kind of the. Particularly earlier on in the movie, where you see some of the black uh, black and white pinup style chicks, um, the Betty Page kind of bondagey chicks that look you know innocent and really kind of lusty at the same time. Uh, that whole thing, that '60s like motorcycle gang chick, like Turu Satana movies, and a lot of just the crazy exploitation movies from the '60s, and like the hot rod stuff and uh, the kind of stuff that. Uh, Glenn Danzig would have been into as well, you know, kind of tapping into that with the misfits. Uh, that stuff is just lost. That part of Americana is kind of gone. You know, there's only, there's a few creative people that touch on it. Like that artist Coop who does the devil girl. Mm -hmm. um, he lives up in Austin now, but he, some of his, his artwork and some of his photo stuff is that kind of style, except he uses like, you know, porn stars and weird alternative sex models and stuff, but they, a lot of times they're done up in that kind of style, you know, but it's lost. I mean, like, I'm sure young people today don't have a fucking clue that that stuff must look archaic to them. You know, I mean, it looked old to me and, it, you know, people were probably still making that shit when I was around, you know, but it was probably at the end of it, you know, and now you just don't see any of that stuff anymore. You know, Elvira's still around, but she's just considered a throwback. You know? Yeah. And 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 honestly, in like modern culture, she's kind of a one-off. Like people are like, "Oh, she's the one person that did that one thing." Yeah, there was Vampira. She, you know, she was another one. She was great. Um, you know, that was just that was just kind of a thing. This like this like modernized kind of post psychedelic twist on Universal monster style. Kind of, you know, it was a it was an interesting thing, and it, it was very uniquely American, and it's just gone. But it's, so it was cool to see him tap into some of that. I just I just wish he would have stuck more to one aesthetic. But I think that's 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 Rob Zombie. I mean, if you if you don't like that kind of stuff, you're probably not going to be a huge fan of his. Like like this kind of throwing everything, this kitchen sink style, because that's what he likes to do. And to be fair, 
whenever he started making this movie, it wasn't supposed to be comedic. It was supposed yeah. to be dead serious and yeah. just purely horrific. But then he felt that the movie took on a, a comedic tone, and so he went with it. So if he didn't just go where his inspiration went, this movie might have been way worse. <laughs> I mean, you know, Devil's Rejects is pretty daunting. It's it gets it gets pretty hardcore at times. Uh, it pulls less punches than this movie for sure. Oh yeah, no, I I made it to the halfway point. Uh, I I was telling you before we started recording. I started it just before we were recording. I got to the halfway point, which is after he's uh, after they've abducted that band. That's like mm-hmm. two husbands and two wives plus mm-hmm. plus Brian Posehn. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and that is like it, it what starts out as like a kind of whatever movie just real quickly goes into oh my god like we're we're watching full like horrific sexual assault mixed with murder and just all of the things and it all turns into a giant splattery roadkill th- situation that's probably my favorite one although the the beginning of of uh house of, of thousand corpses is just so great because because of Sid Haig. He just steals yeah. the whole show. Yeah, he's so good. And he, they did a great job on his teeth. His teeth is it's just so great. And then with that white face and his eyes are all bloodshot, and it just really brings out the nastiness of his eyes. And he's got that black, like, ring around each eye that kind of fades into his eyebrows. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And even, even the fact, like, they did the makeup thing around his beard, so it's like little bits of makeup in his beard, and you can see the skin underneath where there isn't. Uh, it's so good and perfect creepy. <laughs> he's really great. <laughs> I love him so much. And he's just <laughs> talking to that dude, and he's like, I don't understand why you hang out with that asshole. And it's just <laughs> so personable, and yet terrifying. I love it. <laughs> he's he's He was a national treasure. <laughs> Rest in power, Sid. <laughs> Yes, sir. You were you were wonderful. So, John, you mentioned Glenn Danzig. Yes. I want to ask you a very important question related to this movie. So, yes. so, so Rob Zombie turned his his music career into a film directing career, and Glenn Danzig did not. But what he did do was turn his music and whatever career into he made a movie. Yeah. What? Who are some other musicians, uh, otherwise like front men, front women, front people that you think would make maybe not a good transition to directing horror movies, but an entertaining transition to directing horror? Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I, th- I I mean, he's kind of dabbled. He's written screenplays and stuff, but I think Nick Cave would be an interesting oh horror movie director. He'd probably make some kind of arty semi-literary one, but uh, it would also probably be really violent, because that's the kind of screenplays he writes. Uh, I think he would be an interesting one. I think um, uh, what's his name? Till Lindemann or whatever, the guy from Romstein. Oh, yes! (laughs) I think he would make some awesome ones. He was born in East Germany, and his father was a cobbler. Oh, wow, yeah! (laughs) And now he's a certified fire handler who sings in Rammstein. It's like yeah. this guy would this guy would be perfect for horror movies. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great call. There's a, yeah, a lot yeah. of metal guys. I mean, there's just so many metal frontmen that would be perfect. You know, oh, they're yeah. kind of easy. The 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 obvious ones like uh, uh, Marilyn Manson, um, yeah, s- s- fucker from Slayer. 
uh, cannibal. Tom Mariah. Yeah. Tom Mariah is a moron, though. I'm sorry. Oh, I love yeah. you, Tom. You're yeah. a moron. <laughs> the, the, oh, the, the cannibal corpse guy. Yeah. He, it would just be every character in the movie would have to bang their head the entire movie just like <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> the guy's neck is wider than my shoulders. <laughs> I want to call out uh, Jello Biafra as uh. a, a good one because the type of stuff that he does is already like huge over the top and absurd and i think he would make a fantastic horror movie uh he not, would not good like not object objectively high quality but just like totally insane oh that's a good one yeah because they, they used to yeah because the dead kennedys would in would use those kind of like 50s you know like winnebago warrior and and on their albums they'd have like you know punk rocked out black and white photos from like you know, a family eating dinner together in the 50s, but then they'd have, you know, devil horns or some shit. They would always do something. That'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. And and he would, he just, like, even since since he's quit, like, he doesn't do punk rock, he does, like, spoken word, and he's a member of the Green Party. Like, he, he tried to get the nomination over Ralph Nader and did not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, make a movie about that. Yeah, a horror get- movie about that. Getting his revenge on Ralph Nader. <laughs> um, and also, that's why I did the Zach De La Rocha thing at the beginning, is because ah. I think he would do a real good um, The Purge or The Hunt type horror movies. I could see that being right up his alley. The kind of movie that when you're done, you feel extremely guilty for being alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. Now I have to go back to the world. <laughs> I know that they only killed white people, but I still feel guilty after watching that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. That'd be an interesting one. There was a metal band from, from Dallas called Rigor Mortis. And Rigor Mortis was kind of one of the first bands that was like obsessed with horror films. Their front guy, their front man, whose name I've, escapes me because it just popped into my head. I, I'm not that familiar with the band, but I watched a documentary about them, and they were just like huge horror guys. They would put horror film stuff in their songs. Nice. And he would be great. Yeah. He would be a great one. Fantastic. But, uh, I also want to call out Morgan Lander from Kitty. I think she would do it because she just loves the stuff. She's already the co-host of a horror podcast. Is she fucking really? Yeah, she's awesome. Oh, nice. I'm going to have to look that up. I had no idea. I forget what it's called. It's it's three girls and uh, three ladies, three women. But they're uh, they're Canadian. They're Canadian, right? So I think I yeah. think they're out of Toronto, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, they have the, they have good show. I used to listen to it, but I've kind of lost touch with it. Okay, I'm gonna look that up. That's awesome. Um, and then one last one. Uh, there's a a relatively new artist named Suburban, and mm-hmm. all of his music is already pretty horror themed and. Uh, he does, all of his music videos are done through this guy named Andrew Donahoe, who's directed horror movies, but mm-hmm. very specifically directs uh, sequences of themed horror music videos. He's mm-hmm. like the exclusive music video director for Suburban, and recently Suburban has started getting involved in the creative process of directing the music video. So I think maybe Rising Star, A Kid Named Suburban. That I like that one too. That one made me think of one more and then I'll, I, I won't Do kill it. everybody, but uh, the, the, the Richard James from Aphex Twin. Oh, if nice. Made a movie together with, what's his name? Chris Cunningham, the guy that did the Come to Daddy video. I don't know if you've seen that video. <laughs> with not. What is that? It's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. It samples Come to Daddy from Hellraiser. It's like super high energy, very intense and aggressive electronic music. 
and the video is a an old woman who's walking through like ruins of of London, like in some it looks like London, like some crappy place in England where it's all gray and the buildings are dilapidated. And she, I don't remember exactly because it's been a while, but she like walks into a warehouse and encounters all these children, but they all have Richard James's face because he has a very strange face. So they all have masks on of his face, which is like this leering and they're circling around her and like taunting her and all this stuff. And the music's all come to daddy. (laughs) And then, then she encounters some sort of demon creature that stands up. There's a big, break in the song where it's just a voice screaming and it gets louder and louder and louder. So in the video, it's this demon in her face screaming while her hair and skin is like rippling back and she's just standing there. It is amazing. Holy shit. I'm definitely going to watch that. I will probably link to that in the show notes because that sounds awesome. It's better than most horror films. I'll put it that way. Nice. So I think of those two guys together. I mean, he, he doesn't even really sing. He does some vocals, uh, uh, Aphex Twin, but uh, his music's great too. But man, yeah, the, that video is fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of horror movies, um, have you been seeing any good horror movies since we last spoke two weeks ago? Uh, you know, I, I haven't really seen any horror movies. I, I, I started watching that fucking Devil in Ohio series. Oh. And I got like an episode down and started to watch the next one. And I was just like, what is going on with this fucking show? So I started to read about it. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. I don't even think it's horror. It's more like, I don't know. It reminds me of that, that, that Apple TV horror show with Rupert Grint on it, where oh, it's like I these people that you. live, these people that live in like a town, like an expensive townhouse in Philadelphia. And some girl, becomes their nanny for their fake baby because their actual baby died. And so the, they have this doll baby that apparently grief, it's a like grief thing. Like the boy? Yes, yes, similar. It's, but this is yeah. a real thing. They look like real babies. And it's it's for parents who can't get over the loss of their baby. So they have this fake baby that they use as like a transitional thing. So that in the show, this nanny is there to take care of that. Well, then it turns out the nanny has escaped from some weird religious cult and Nice. Sounds interesting, but it's kind of shitty. And that, yeah. <laughs> that's what this show reminded me of. I was like, they say it's horror, but it's not horror. It's just shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's honestly a lot of the stuff on Apple TV is just like really pumped up on the pretense. And, and like Severance was good, but everything yeah. else I've seen on there has been kind of garbagey. I like Ted Lasso. It's, it's certainly not horror, but... Um, no, no. <laughs> but it's fun. Um but uh, yeah, Severance I thought was great. I, I yeah. like Adam Scott as I know you do as well. Yeah, yeah, Adam Scott <laughs> <He's> is great. <laughs> He's great. Um, but uh, yeah, no. As far as yeah, their genre stuff is usually sci-fi, and it's usually the kind of sci-fi that I don't care about. You know, like Mars yeah. missions and shit. I'm like, don't care. Yeah. I am I'm a huge Isaac Asimov fan. I was very yeah. excited for Foundation, but then I started to watch it, and I was like, oh, this is so boring and i know that that's a hard book series to adapt because it's not like written for that at all but yeah so boring (laughs) yeah i mean the attempts to to translate asimov on the big screen so far have been pretty terrible oh yeah let's get will smith to do it oh god (laughs) you know it's like jesus christ okay 
<laughs> uh, uh, John, have you seen Terrifier 2? No, I still have not seen that. Did you Did you see it? It's so fucking good. I was reading, uh, what's her name? Laverne something. The, Shirley. The, yeah, Laverne Shirley, the girl that stars in it. I was reading her Twitter feed last night because she, of course, there was some controversy because she didn't get naked in the movie. And some some Reddit incel douchebag was talking shit about it. And she's like, I don't have anything against nudity in shows. It just wasn't, you know. She's like, someone puts his dick up against glass in this movie. Like, there's nudity in the movie, just not mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gets almost nude. You see, you see, like, butt top and side boob. Like, yeah. get over it, dude. It's because she is. She's she's dressed very skimpily for a whole large segment of the movie, and it plays with it, but it's people need to get the fuck over it. It's so dumb the way people... I, part of it is that people don't express themselves with the written word very well. They get really... They either get very formal, or they just become, like, you know, savages mm-hmm. with a with a text-to-writing to translator or something, because they don't know how to write. But, yeah. you know, it's it's like... The, the most salient point on that argument was, you know, people who were like, I love nudity in movies, but, you know, I don't, I'm not going to hate a movie because it doesn't have that. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and then someone else was like, dude, you do have access to the internet if you need to see boobs. There's plenty of them there. Yes. Yeah. Just, oh, get over it. Reddit's a whole big community of nard huffers. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Reddit is something that you... Reddit is for adults. You have to be able to navigate Reddit and, and either filter out the stupidity or be able to put it in its place, you know, because there's a lot of cool stuff on Reddit, but it's it's a wild frontier. And as a result, you might find yourself in some pretty scary corners. Yeah, um, uh, I just read... Uh, I was on there and someone mentioned that based on our horror's recommendation, they watched Solo. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were very upset about it. They said that they were still crying because of what they saw, and they didn't understand why the community on our horror was talking about it as uh, like such a strong recommendation. <laughs> and so, of course, the comment section in there was like people being like, "Oh yeah, no, no, no! It's an important movie, but you need to go into it warned and you know prepared, and not just." be like a young person that thinks it's going to be a good time. No, that's a very intense film. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is one of the most intense films, probably. Yeah, that's what you would call an advanced film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't step into the batting cage and uh, immediately do fastball pitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't invite your whatever eclectic group of friends over to watch Solo unless you're all a bunch of lunatics. <laughs> That's right. You don't you don't enter the X Games to learn how to skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck. Um. All right. What else do we need to do? Oh what yeah. Did, what did you watch? Any horror stuff? Sorry. Oh no. I watched. Uh, I watched Terrifier too. It yeah. Was, it yeah. was very very good. It's um. Uh, uh, it is daunting too. There is, did you see the first one? I saw, well, yeah, the, the, the first official, like, actually funded Terrifier. He made that one, another one before, like, Right, yeah, yeah, the first one where Art the Clown showed up. Yeah, but I haven't seen that one, but yes, first Terrifier, yes. It's, uh, it, it 
picks up right where that one left off, but it, it, uh, man, it is, you, you know how his thing is that he will, like, he, like, the violence is, like, a fun joke to him, and so, like, he, he wants people to, to witness the funny joke that he did. Well, he, like, he really, like, steps that one up in this one, and it's, uh, it's, it's all practical effects, all mm-hmm. super, super gory. Like, uh, in the first one, there he's got the girl hanging upside down, and he chainsaws her in half from the bottom to her head, uh, and doesn't quite finish, and so it's just so carnal. Uh, this one has a, uh, uh equally surpasses that in gore factor and, uh, implied trauma. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, I, the, the first film was... To be fair, I don't think it was that great of a film. I mean, it was, uh, or to be honest, um, but at the same time, it was it was entertaining. And, and Art the Clown is a look a great looking character. He's pretty obviously pretty one dimensional, but uh, mm-hmm. but these movies are just schlock, and they're they're you know if you, <laughs> they're gore schlock. If you like that stuff, you're going to get plenty of it. Oh yeah, yeah. This one, if if you want gore from beginning to end, and you want it to be intense, and you want it to be throwback practical style. It's it's definitely your thing, and you even get a little bit more of a, a, a nuance to art. Not a lot, just a little, just a taste. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I there, there's a couple movies I need to catch up on. There's uh, Smile came out on a service that I can watch for free now, and uh, nice. And uh, yeah, and I need to watch Terrifier. I need to watch uh, Barbarian. There's a bunch of things I need to get get caught up with. Did you watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story? I have not, and I actually saw it, at, I just saw it yesterday, I forgot about it, but we were talking about it, and then I saw it on one of the free things, and I'm like, oh, that's right, I need to watch this. Yeah, so. yeah it's it's very good, and I, I have to call it out, because, um, so one of my favorite people, podcast and otherwise, is Paul F. Tompkins. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in this movie, he p- plays Gallagher. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and... And then, like, three days after the movie premieres, Gallagher died. Yeah, rest so. in peace, you piece of garbage. <laughs> so, good job, Paul. <laughs> good job, Paul. Thank you for killing that asshole. You killed Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> apparently that guy was trash anyway, so. Oh, yeah, apparently he, like, sued his brother because his brother was uh, impersonating him. <laughs> I, I mean, that, yeah, I he probably should have, <laughs> Yeah. I think I agree with Gallagher on that one, but yeah, it's like, yeah, his brother was doing a Gallagher-esque routine and then started calling himself Gallagher. <laughs> Big uh, hammer, smashing stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't get into, I never liked Gallagher. I remember even when I was young, I was like, why is he destroying food? Aren't there people who could eat that food? It was the first thing I thought, you know. <laughs> Okay, and it's just not funny. That's the other thing. It's like Carrot Top. Like, dude, you're not fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. Carrot Top definitely gets that that same feeling. But uh, but yeah. Ugh. The twentieth century was weird. <laughs> Doug Henning. He was he was another. He wasn't a comedian, but he just kind of fit in that weird like entertainer that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. All right, John, um, we need to wrap this up. Yeah. Out of five loathsome things, how many of those would you give to House of a Thousand Corpses? I'm going to split it.
middle, 2.5. 2.5? Yes. Do you want to qualify that quantifier? I think it it could go either way. It's teetering like a like a seesaw on at times it leans towards awesome and at times it leads towards suck. And it just balances <laughs> right in between there and and I think it fits that that fulcrum between awesome and suck. <laughs> That's where this movie lands. Nice. <laughs> and yourself, sir? Uh, I, I I went up, I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, I gave it half a point, basically just for achieving classic status. Like, it is now yeah. a classic of the horror genre. That's true. It, it, it doesn't... It doesn't do a whole bunch to advance the genre, but it it, yeah. it solidified things and it carried it over into the to the twenty first century in a way that I feel is important. It's also absurd in a way that I really enjoy. Uh, as as someone that likes Jello Biafra stuff, mm-hmm. I enjoy the absurd, and so like this one just really spoke to me. I like that it it it's transgressive, but but comedic Mm -hmm. in in a really interesting way. Um, Like for someone that enjoyed skin deep as much as possible and uh, (laughs) a a basket case, like it really like fills that part of my enjoyment factor. Plus it was one of the first uh, new horror movies that I ever uh, enjoyed. Um, Once I started getting into horror films, this was like one of the first new things that I saw. Also have I, have I, told my devil's reject story on here before i don't think so uh so i rented the devil's rejects at hollywood video Mm -hmm. uh, because i enjoyed um uh house of a thousand corpses so much and i was there with my mom and i was still a youngster at that point and my mom saw what i was renting and said uh oh this looks terrible and i was like no it's it's good the first one was funny and she was like, all right, well, then I'm going to watch it with you. Uh-huh. And so I watched The Devil's Rejects with my mom. <laughs> oh, man, that must have been... It, you got through the whole thing, the both of you? Oh, yeah. She was like, no, we're going to watch this. And I was like, oh, man. And it like the movie starts off with a guy just dragging a dead naked woman through the woods. And, and then it turns into Captain Spaulding having a full <laughs> sex scene. And then, of course, all of the sexual oh. violence in the oh. hotel room. And yeah, just wow. unpleasant. Yeah, that probably would. Oh, wow. And, and what was her take on the movie? <laughs> oh, she still tells the story of that horrible movie that I rented that one time. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yep. So for that, it also got another half point because it like played such a weird role in my horror movie life. That's fantastic. I, this movie, uh, this is one that we may have diverged the most on as far as our ratings. We're usually... Almost in lockstep. Yeah, I think it's good. We need to yeah. we need to disagree a little bit. I yeah. think we need to come across a movie that one of us likes and the other one dislikes so we can fight about it. We ah. just haven't had that. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. It's maybe... Okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was, you. I was just going to say, like, <laughs> like as far as, like, in summing up, like, the, the whole thing, I mean, we, we talk a lot about Rob Zombie. That says something about Rob, Rob Zombie. We, we'll talk about him more in the future. There's no question. The fact that he pops up all the time in our discussions, you know, is there's something to say for that. Uh, he's, he does interesting work and he, he's made a lot of movies and, uh, you know, 
every movie that he's made has that I've seen has something in it that I've found entertaining. I mean, none of them have been just like shit from start to finish, you know, even though he's not my favorite and, you know, but he's, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking, okay, this guy has an incredible movie in him. Maybe that will turn out to be Devil's Rejects. That might be the pinnacle of his his work as far as I'm concerned. But uh, maybe one day he's just going to put out something that is just a literal classic, you know, and, and like well-deserved classic. I mean, I guess, he, you know, arguably he has, but uh, I mean, this the trilogy is pretty, pretty well known. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. But anyways, what were you going to say? Pulling up off of that, I'm going to say, like, maybe he'll end up being, like, the Wild Stallions, the one that finally fixes all society with that one great piece of art. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. You can do it, Rob. We believe in you, kind of. <laughs> what's his What's his actual name? I can never remember it. Oh, it's something like, I want to say Captain Spaulding? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Roberto Zambellini. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, it's Robert Bartlett Cummings. No, oh, wow, that's so yes. American <laughs> and a little Britishy. Oh, yeah, but pretty Britishy. Yeah, it's his middle name B A R T L E H Bartlett. Bartlett Cummings. Bartlett. Bartle. Hello, Mister Bartlett. Zombie. Bartlett. Bartlett Cummings. <laughs> 20 minutes of this. And he's like, he's like, you know what? I don't like the last name Cummings because my sense of humor hasn't gotten there yet. I'm going to go with zombie. <laughs> and then he makes a lot of cummy movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Nary a zombie flick. I don't know. I haven't I seen. Know. Maybe, maybe some of them are zombie movies. I don't know. I, I guess you could argue that those creatures in the pit were zombies. Oh yeah. The mud guys. Yeah. With the ping yeah, pong ball true. eyes. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it for us. Thank you for tuning in and join us in two weeks where we review another movie. Yes. Oh, and I'm sorry you all have to die.